there's a another vo- vo- uh, verse of that song in as well that we did not sing today, and it really it does go along with my message this morning, and I want to share it with you real quick before we get into the message. But it's uh, the third verse. We sang the first and the fourth verse, and the, the third verse says, "My sin, oh the bliss." of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Man, what a wonderful thought, y'all. That Man, we, we so often want to think about when, when we are saved, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, that he takes care of everything up to that point. But man, we don't need to miss the fact that when He paid for our sin, He paid for all of it. Okay, so there, there's going to be stupid stuff I do a few years from now that He's already covered. And some of y'all are sitting here, you've been saved for a long time, and I don't know how many years you got left. He does, but you know what? Anything you do between now and then is covered. He's already paid for it. Man, that's an awesome thought, y'all. Because see, He knew what was required to save me when He saved me. He knew what He had to save me from. Some of us might have been a little bit. Some of us might have been a whole lot, right? But He knew what was going to be required to bring me to a place of reconciliation and justification in His eyes. And that's what He paid for. He didn't just pay for what we could see. or You know, if, I, if somebody was to ask me right now, what is the worst possible sin that you think you might commit before you die? What would you come up with? I mean, there's some stuff like, man, I would never do that. You know, I, I can't even fathom me ever doing this. But see, He already knows what kind of nonsense my my uh, own flesh is willing to put up with and what I'm willing to do in the flesh. And man, He knew all of that and He paid for all of it, y'all. That is such an awesome Savior. Let's not, let's not have this mentality of we have a Savior that was just enough or, or barely what we could think of, but we've got an awesome Savior that has saved us from more than we could ever do, right? I mean, and when He saves us, He saves us. I, I get so uh, wore out on this mentality of, of I don't know if I'm going to make it. That That's not the hope that we live in. We have a blessed hope, praise God, of uh, an eternal salvation. A salvation that brings us from where we are or where we were all the way into His kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? Thank God that we have such a Savior as that. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we just come to You right now, and Lord, we are humbled to be in Your presence. Lord, it's in Your presence that we realize there is nothing good in us. Just like Isaiah said when he came into the throne room of God and the vision he saw, he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. 
And Lord, it's in your presence that we recognize not only our, our flaws and our light, but Lord, we recognize your greatness, your majestic presence, Lord God. And so, Father, I just thank you that you are willing to look at us through the blood of Jesus and see us holy and righteous and justified and not the, the fleshly sinner that we often are. Thank you, God, that you have brought us into your wonderful kingdom and into your inheritance. And Lord, I just pray right now if there's anybody here today that does not know you as Savior in their life, Lord, that you'd give them that opportunity before it's too late and that they would turn to you, Lord. Father, I just ask that you send a special anointing right now, Father, that I could speak and say the things you'd have me to and that it'd be nothing more than that or nothing less. Lord, we just put it in your faithful hands. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 10. Uh, this, this chapter starts out and uh, Isaiah is sharing with Israel the uh, vision that God had given him. And uh, like so many other times, God is, is making people aware of where they are. And it's usually not a good thing, right? I mean, if, if God showed up right now and made you aware of where you are in relation to Him, how good would it be? And man, y'all, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're the greatest Christian that ever walked the earth. Uh, when you get in His presence, the the stark contrast between Him and you, you just can't really have a good feeling about yourself. And so... As God begins to speak to the nation of Israel, He's He's really He's laying some things down for them that He wants them to pick up. And I know that's kind of simple talk, but uh, he, He's trying to explain to them the error in their ways and what His hope and expectation is. And so uh, I think uh, this particular passage of Scripture is very pertinent to our own lives today, not just to Israel uh, those thousands of years ago, but... Uh, here in 2018, it still means something today. So we're going to start reading in verse 10 of chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. We're talking to the nation of Israel here, and, and y'all, I honestly believe He's talking to us today, but look at what He calls them. You nation of Sodom. And then he goes on to refer to them as Gomorrah also. And this is his chosen people that he's referring to as uh, these two cities that were destroyed by God because of why? Because of the sin was so great in those cities and because they, they completely turned from God and abandoned Him in every facet of their life. And he's referring to his chosen people in this manner. So we need to kind of take that to heart today. Like, man, is that how God views me? 
It needs to be kind of a gut check for us. I mean, I'm not trying to make any accusations or put any undue blame on you, but we need to examine ourselves in this time and, and see, man, does any of this fit me? Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? What's the point in them? Saith the Lord. I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Wow. God knows how to be harsh, doesn't He? But y'all, as harsh as that sounds, verse 18 just brings it all home. This is His desire for His people. Y'all, I know not every little instance of what I just read applies directly to us, but we have to look at some of it in kind of a figurative sense. I understand that. But what is the heart of what's being said? He's saying all these rituals you go through, these little things you do to appear godly, these, and if we relate it to today, these things that we do to appear as Christians, you know, we all have these little routines and rituals that we go through and, and he said, he said, I'm tired of you putting up a front. I'm tired of you putting on a show and these, he, he refers to them as vain oblations. You might just say these prayers that you make that mean nothing, that just sound good. He said, I'm sick of it. He said, I hate it. Have y'all ever known someone that just, uh, you know, we often refer to them as yes men. <laughs> Somebody that just kind of pays you lip service. Oh, I just love you so much. And I just, we really, I just want to get together. We just need to spend time together. And But you just know there's, they don't really want that. They're only saying that because I'm standing in front of them. You know people like that. Or maybe it's somebody at work that 
that whenever they're around you, they're your best friend. But then you constantly hear people talk about how they've said things about you. Nobody likes people like that, do they? Is there anybody here that likes somebody like that? No. You know what? God doesn't either. God doesn't like it when we pay Him lip service. What does that mean? You know, because I'm not realize we got another generation here probably doesn't understand what lip service means. It means telling somebody what you think they want to hear, whether you really feel that way or not. Boy, you sure do look pretty today. <laughs> Back up, Kevin. I'm meddling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. Somebody's just man. I want them to think I like them. I want them to think I'm a good person. Got to put up a front. I'm telling y'all, God does not want us to come to Him and put up a front. He sees right through it better than we can see through it. Right? I mean, y'all, I can see through that kind of stuff in a, in a great amount of the situations that occur. I can see it for what it is. How much better do you think God does? He knows our every thought. He knows our every uh, heart intention. And He knows it more than we even do. And we want to come to Him and put up a front. He sees through it all. And so maybe all these sacrifices and things like that don't relate one to one on our daily basis, but you understand what he's saying. He's saying you're doing all of that stuff for the wrong reason. Some of it I didn't even tell you to do. You just decided, hey, this fits in and it sounds good and looks good. Let's go ahead. He says some of that I never even asked for. You decided to do that. And all of it is with the wrong intention. As I read some of this, I, I kind of examined it, looked at it, and I said, well, wait a minute. God, God told them to make these sacrifices. How many times have you ever went to God and re- I ain't going to say repented, but you asked for forgiveness for something that you weren't really sorry for? Come on, let me see a hand. I have. I got sorry later. Hmm? Y'all, y'all don't want to be honest today, okay? As a kid, how many times did you uh, receive punishment for something you did that you yet hadn't had time to get sorry for? <laughs> you got sorry later, didn't you? I look back over my childhood and I, I really only remember one whipping I got that I didn't deserve. And, I mean, still to this day, I know I did not deserve that whipping. I was 100% in the right. But did it matter? Mm-mm, I got that whipping. And honestly, me trying to make my case made it worse. That's all beside the point though. Let's move past that. But y'all know what I'm saying. There there was lots of times I got correction and I wasn't really ready to be corrected. I hadn't really got to a point yet of feeling bad for what I did. 
But sometimes we will go to God because we recognize what we did is not, not according to His will, but we're not really uh, feeling sorry for it, but we know this is what we're supposed to do. We know we've broken a commandment in some way, and God, I need you to forgive me because I want to be in good standing with you, but the intent of our heart has yet to release that thing that we enjoyed doing. Can I get a witness this morning? <laughs> Oh, I'm getting some blank looks, y'all. <laughs> He's saying, I'm sick of that. Y'all act like I'm somebody you can fool, right? Y'all, I tried my hardest to fool my parents, and sometimes I did. Sometimes they had no clue how bad off I was, right? I mean, they just really didn't know. And then there's plenty of times they did. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they were absent or something. They knew I was terrible in times. But sometimes I was able to slip one by on them. God's saying, you ain't, well, who do you think I am? I am not a man that can be fooled. This is the creator of the universe. The God. The great God Jehovah. And we want to try to pay him lip service or go through some little ridiculous ritual and somehow we're going to try to please him through these things that we do. And so he goes through this, this, uh, uh dissertation really and, and in verse 18, he brings it home and he says, all of that was for nothing. Now, come, let us reason together. Though your sins may be as scarlet, if you will just come to me in a state of need and in openness and a willingness, I will make them white as snow. Y'all, I, I know there's probably a house full of Christians here this morning and I'm not the judge. I'm not the one to try to call you out and say you're a sinner, you're not, and, and you are not saved and you are. I'm not the one to do that, but the Holy Spirit is. And He is here to speak to you today. If you are a child of God living in sin, I'm here to tell you, you need to turn from it. If you're not a child of God and you're sitting here listening to the Word of God, hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart this morning. Do not turn Him away. Whatever state you're in, you don't have to go through a bunch of rituals and traditions and sacrifices and fake prayers that nobody wants to hear. All you have to do is come to the Father and allow Him to make you white as snow. Praise God. I want you to know it's His way, not ours. Over in John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus is talking to the woman by the well in Samaria. And they're talking about worshiping God and he says, but the hour cometh and now is, and y'all, it is today too. Okay, this time hadn't went past, it's, it's now too. He says, when the true worshipers, now that first, uh, seven eighths of the passage we read earlier was not about true worship. That was fake worship. That's, 
That's I'm trying to put on a display and appear that I am uh, making uh, amends with God or I'm trying to get forgiveness or I'm worshiping and it's all fake. But Jesus said that the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. All that other stuff, He's tuning out. I don't want to hear it. It's all for nothing. I don't care how fancy you make the show look. I'm not, I don't care how many little dances you do. I don't care about how much incense you burn or how many calves you sacrifice. I don't care. I want somebody to worship me in spirit and in truth. And it says He's seeking it out, y'all. What does that tell you about His heart? It tells you that He longs for us to honestly, truthfully worship Him. Not with the intention of trying to get something out of it. Over in 1 Timothy, Paul says, uh, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. And that, man, this is the simple gospel right here. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul goes on and he, he makes this statement to Timothy and he, he's really saying it to all of us. And remember what I said earlier? I don't care how the greatest Christian when they come into the presence of God is all of a sudden seeing their sin. And this is Paul. Man, we, we put Paul on a pedestal sometimes and to some extent, maybe rightfully so, because he walked such a tremendous walk with God and was given an abundance of revelation that we still cling on to today. But he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We want to often look at it like I'm the chief Christian. I'm the chief non-sinner. But Paul said, I don't care what you think about me and how great or high or whatever, I'm the chief sinner. He said, if there's anybody that has fallen short of the glory of God, it's me. And y'all, I want you to identify with that statement this morning. That is us. If there's anybody that's fallen short of the glory of God, it's us. But who did Jesus come to save? He came to save the sinner. He didn't come for those that would adhere to the law on their own. Why? Because they don't need Jesus. Even though they really do. In their own minds, they don't need Jesus. Man, I can do this. I can follow this prescription you give me right here. It's like baking a cake. Here's the rules. I'll follow them and this thing will come out great, right? Brother Sam, have you ever tried to bake a cake? Don't. And you look at the box, right? Here's the recipe. They already have most of the stuff mixed up for you. There ain't much you even have to add to it. They tell you what temperature to cook the thing at and for how long. What else do you need? Yet, 
I eat my wife's cakes, and they're excellent. And I've had some others that I'm pretty sure they used the same mix, had the same recipe, and yet it's not the same thing, is it? And y'all, I'm trying to illustrate to you today that there has been given to us the recipe for living a righteous life. Yet for some reason, each and every one of us cannot do it. We are not very good bakers when it comes to this thing. And so what we need is the expert baker to come onto the scene and provide to us a cake that is worth eating because we cannot bake the cake on our own and it not end up as a brick. And we've got a blessed Savior that came. Man, we, we get this so out of order sometimes, y'all. And when I say us, I mean the world as a whole, especially Christianity as a whole. We get this out of order and we begin to look at Jesus coming to this earth and dying for our sins is kind of just a thing He fell into. Man, that couldn't be any further from the truth. And if you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, you need to hear the whole point in Him coming to this earth was to save you. Amen. He came to save you. And you say, well, I always thought I was doing pretty good. Well, you thought wrong. And I don't mean that to be harsh or anything. You thought wrong. Because see, my standard of what is good and what is wrong, if I don't align it with God, I guarantee you there's a vast chasm between what I think is good and what He thinks is good. And that's why I say even the greatest of Christians, when they come into the presence of God, immediately begin to see all of the flaws all of the problems, the ways they went wrong. And y'all stand before you today saying, I have not completed the race. I have not somehow attained perfection yet. I am still a man that is flawed, that has sin, that I continuously need a Redeemer and a Savior to wash away my sin and make me white as snow. Huh? I'm still that man. I still need him today just like I needed him yesterday and I will need him tomorrow the same way. So don't think that somehow you're in a situation that, well, I've gone too far. I've done too much wrong and there's no chance in me being returned to him. No, listen to me. He came to save people like that. He came for you. He came for me. He knew what it was going to take to save me, a wretched sinner, before He came. He knew how big the price was going to have to be. And I can tell y'all right now, if He can save me, He can save you. John chapter 10, verse 9 through 11, Jesus says, and listen to this, y'all. He says, I am the door. I told y'all, it's His way, not ours. He said, I am the door. I'm not a door. There's not a row of doors next to me. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we've got to keep that in mind, especially if you're here today and don't know Jesus. The thief, the devil will come to you and he will present some things that are awful attractive, that are awful enticing. But we've got to keep in mind the truth of this Word that says he doesn't come for any other reason. No matter what he presents to you and how great it looks on the surface, the everything he gives you and presents to you is not but for one reason, to steal, kill, and destroy. It's all he's about. So if He gives you something that looks good, be mindful that it's going to steal something, it's going to kill you, or it's going to destroy things around you. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Y'all, I'm trying to tell y'all there is a stark contrast between what Jesus came to do and what the devil's still trying to do. He wants to still kill and destroy. Jesus came to give you life. So if there's something in your life that seems to be tearing you down and, and, and wasting away in you, I'm telling y'all that's not of Jesus. It's not what He came to do. If there is something you're holding on to in your life that seems to be destroying your family, it seems to be destroying everything that you think is good, I want you to understand God did not put it in you. God did not bring you that. But He wants to give you life and for it to be abundant life. Man, I'm telling y'all, as a child of God, I often, I often get wrapped up in other things in my life. And, and before I know it, I, I want to feel depressed. I, I start to have a negative outlook on things. And, and, and I have to stop and, and reset myself and say, you know what? Those things are not of God. Those things are not uplifting His name because what they're doing is tearing me down. And I need to put a hold on them. I need to get rid of them. That's not what He's designed for me. That's not His desire for me. He desires that I have abundant life. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. He came to save sinners. I'm going to read that last verse of Isaiah Chapter 1 to you that we read earlier. Come now. This is to everybody sitting here, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're saved or not. Just listen to this. This is what the Lord is saying to you today. And I believe the Holy Spirit will echo this in your heart. He says, come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What that tells you today is that God's intention from the very beginning, because it says that the Lamb was slain before the foundations of the world were laid. His very intention and desire from the beginning was that you be in a holy, righteous, upright relationship with Him. That's his desire. 
His desire is not that you carry around this baggage of sin and this weight and and all these things. His desire is not that you be weighed down with with the cares of the world and lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, but His desire is that you be set free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, but I want you to understand that we willingly will carry those things around with us and it's of our own design, not His. He came to save sinners, not provide a way for you to be entrapped again. He came to deliver sinners, not have a way for you to be in bondage again. So I want want you all to know that He loves you dearly. His desire is for you. Do you understand that man was created to be in relationship with God? That was the whole point. So much so that He would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden daily. He had a great desire for fellowship with us. And man, He still does today so much so that He sent His Son to pay for your sin. Your willful sin. Do you understand that? It's willful sin. You chose to. You chose to turn against a good God. Man, don't ever get this attitude that this was just put on me and I don't have a choice. No, we choose every day to either follow Him or turn from Him. 